Hello and welcome or welcome back to the Life Abundant Podcast. My name is Susie and I am so excited and thankful that you're here. And today we're actually going to be kicking off season two of the podcast. I just figured since it's summer and kind of a new season for me, this would be a good time to start fresh. But I would describe myself as a pretty reflective person. So I feel like it's very on point for me and my personality to start off a new season of the podcast reflecting on the old season of life or what my year was like leading up to this point. So today I'm going to be talking about things that I learned my sophomore year of college. So keep in mind, my freshman year of college was the fall of 2020. So the entirety of my freshman year was affected by COVID restrictions and things that went along with that. So I definitely didn't experience my freshman year normally or in its entirety. So I feel like a lot of those things that you learn going into college or even just as you're going through this age and transition of life, I didn't fully experience my freshman year and that kind of bled into my sophomore year, which made things very exciting, but it also made things very challenging. So I'm excited to kind of take this time to reflect on the year that I had and hopefully provide some guidance or wisdom or even just a relatable moment or story that you might identify with. Or, you know, maybe even learn from mistakes that I made as well. Or um, learn from the awesome people that I have in my life that guided me along the way. So let's just go ahead and get into it. Things that I learned my sophomore year of college. So I kind of want to sprinkle in, you know, more of the deep things, but also some of the more light, just typical advice type of thing. So I guess I'll start out with that. So my first semester freshman year, I was taking more of my major related classes and my major on my campus is relatively small. So that meant as I was taking these classes, I was seeing a lot of the same people and my class sizes were a lot smaller. A lot of my classes were mostly 20, maybe 30 people. And what I really enjoyed about those classes is not only do you get to know your classmates as well, but you get to know your professors really well. So one thing I learned and a piece of advice I have is to say hi to your professors, ask about their weekend, ask about their families, tell them a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself, tell them when something from their class is causing you to think outside of class. This is what they want to do as their job, and it's because they love teaching, they love students, and so when you engage with them, they engage with you. And another thing that I feel like prompted me to be more interactive with my professors is I was teaching cycle classes this year on campus in the recreation center, which is like its whole other thing. But I was teaching cycle classes and I would get to the class and people would be getting on their bike, setting up, and I would be at the front, kind of on the elevated stage thing. And sometimes I would ask like, how is everyone? How was your weekend? How are your classes? And I would just get like radio silence. Sometimes. Other times people would respond, and um, especially towards the end of the year, but it made me like so sad, and it really helped me with empathy for my professors of, like, you know, there's so many times where a professor will walk in, or a teacher if you're in high school, and be like, hey, how is everyone, and just no one responds, and so that really prompted me to want to respond and engage with them, because I kind of know how it feels like on the other end, but these are people that you see every day. These are people that could potentially help you in academics or even in your career. So it's super important to be building relationships with them. You never know if you're going to need a a recreation, a recommendation letter from them or things like that. So I definitely just learned that building relationships with your professors and teachers and 
just people that you meet around campus is so much fun and now I'm friends with a lot of my professors on LinkedIn and it's so funny to like see their posts and stuff like that but it's definitely a really great way to not only build relationships but get involved on campus and help set up um, you know potentially aspects of your future. Another more lighthearted thing before I get into the deeper stuff is Hoka's are the best pair of shoes that you can buy. I have had Brooks, I've had On Clouds, I've had Asics, I've had Nike shoes, and I got a pair of Hoka's in preparation for a half marathon that I ran in the spring, which I think I might talk about that a bit later. But oh my gosh, they are literally the most comfortable shoes ever. They feel like you're running on clouds. They're so cushioned. They're so supportive. So if you are a runner or you have a job where you're standing up a lot or moving around a lot, get Hoka's. Don't waste your time or money on any other shoes. This is not sponsored. This is just me to you giving you the best piece of advice that you could have. So purchase some Hoka's. You're welcome. I think I have the Clifton 8s. And they're cutie and orange, so love them. But moving into the next piece of advice or thing that I learned, um, and this is kind of dedicated to one of my good friends, Catherine. And I came across this quote. I don't quite remember where. I might have heard it in a sermon or something, but it was definitely at the very beginning of my sophomore year, so probably back in the fall of 2021. But the quote says, beautiful things don't ask for attention. And I feel like I was talking kind of fast, so I'll say that again. But beautiful things don't ask for attention. And as you kind of start to think about that, you think about flowers and nature and, you know, beautiful stained glass windows or buildings or even I feel like, you know, somebody like your grandma or like a really humble, quiet spirit that is just so beautiful, but they're not commanding your attention because they just are. They just exist. And I had a really hard time with battling insecurity in my freshman year. And one way that I tried to cope with that is that when I would go out on the weekends or when I would be out on campus, I tried really hard with the clothes that I wore. I was spending so much money on clothes so I could kind of keep up with the trends and look like everybody else and, you know, always be opening a new package or something like that. So I was spending a lot of money on clothes and I was wearing things I didn't necessarily feel comfortable in. Um, They were maybe kind of revealing or they accentuated like my body rather than my character. And so as I kind of took a step back after reflecting on this quote and kind of wanting to approach my sophomore year in a different way, this really meant a lot to me because the Lord tells us that we are beautiful, that we are made in his image, that he intricately and perfectly designed us and would not have us any other way. And I think that when I finally saw myself like that and I didn't need other people or the mirror or the scale or the types of clothes I had to tell me I was beautiful, but I received that truth from the Lord, I didn't have to ask for attention. I didn't have to throw myself out there. I could just be content with who I was and not need that from anything or anybody else. And I feel like that change my perspective as I would go out or I, you know, do go to events or want to wear something cute. I don't necessarily look for what makes me look good, but what makes me feel good and what allows me to channel the confidence and the beauty that I have inside and 
just what makes me feel like a child of God, you know? And when I'm wearing something that like my boobs are hanging out or is really short, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel confident because that shows that I need my body to do something that I personally can't. And that's never going to be the case. Who you are on the inside is always going to outweigh who you are on the outside. And I feel like in college and as a young woman, that's really hard to come to terms with. So I just encourage you to reflect on the beautiful things that you see around you. Maybe that's a friend or a family member, maybe that's nature, or maybe that's um, an aspect of your work or something that somebody made you or just anything that you consider beautiful and just think what makes this beautiful. And I think what you're normally going to find is that it's not necessarily the aesthetic things, but it's the things that accentuate, it's, out, it's the things in the inside that accentuate the outside and make something beautiful. So Hopefully that makes sense. I ended up writing that quote on a note card and put it on my door so that I would see it before I left. So I could kind of just double check like with what I'm wearing right now, with how I look right now, with you know how much makeup I'm putting on or how I'm doing my hair. Am I asking for attention or am I trusting that the Holy Spirit inside of me is going to be what allows me to radiate light and love to people? So that really helped me um, go on through the year. So hopefully that um, helps you out a little bit too. So I totally forgot. I mentioned Catherine in the beginning, but that was something <laughs> that me and my friend Catherine talked about a lot. Um, and she's one of the most beautiful people that I know. And she is just so quietly confident. And I look up to her in that way so much. And she is just so authentically and beautifully herself. So love you, babe. Mwah. All right. <laughs> Moving on to the next thing. I guess I will kind of circle back to what I mentioned about the half marathon. And so one of the things I learned my sophomore year is that the prize is Christ. And I actually think I mentioned on one of my podcast episodes at the beginning of the year that it was my New Year's resolution to commit to things. And one thing that I really wanted to commit to was running a half marathon. It's always been something that I've wanted to do. I've started training for it so many times and I just never followed through. So I was like, you know what? This is something that is big and I ended up paying the like registration fee for it, which was like $100. So I was like, okay, I have to do this thing. And then one of my friends, Riley, ended up doing it with me. So then I was really held accountable by her. And I ended up running this half marathon in April. And so I started training for it in probably about January. And there were so many times, um, especially since I was teaching cycle classes and, you know, had busier weeks, it was hard to find time to run um, and also to rest and all the things like that. So I really had to commit to doing this half marathon by, you know, waking up early on a Saturday or making time to do homework during this hour so that I would have time to run later. And I mean, I definitely wasn't building my life around running, but it was something that I was committed to and was conscious of. And I wanted to make sure that I was staying on top of so that I wouldn't, you know, die running 13 miles. So I finally, the day had finally come and it was such a great day. It was beautiful outside. Um, but this was the first time I used AirPod Pros and I was like, oh my gosh, these actually don't fall out of my ears. I literally ran 13 miles in them and they didn't fall out. So I got my own pair after that, but that's kind of besides the point. But it was so much fun. So many of my friends showed up to like cheer us on during the race and were there at the finish line, which meant so, so much to me. I was so thankful that they would like take the time to come. 
And it was just such a great environment. Um, people were just celebrating, you know, doing a hard thing and accomplishing something big. And it was just so funny to see like signs and um, funny, like, you know, phrases on signs that people were holding up and just the atmosphere in general was so much fun. And so I finished this half marathon and it was on a Sunday. I was dead tired that day. Um, and I'm pretty sure I had a Zoom appointment with my nutritionist. Like if it was on a Sunday, it was during that next week. So it was just a few days after. And usually before I see her, I kind of want to reflect on just like how I'm doing with food and exercise and things like that. And I was thinking about it um, in preparation for my meeting with her. And I'm thinking, you know, this has been something I've wanted to do for so long. And as I've talked about before, I've really struggled with my definition of what health and fitness looks like and also how that relates to my body image and just self-image in general, how that affects, you know, all aspects of my life, my faith, my relationships, um, because that is something I've really struggled with um, throughout my life. So I was reflecting on that and I was like, you know what, this is something I wanted to do for so long. This is what I really associated with health. This is what I associated with fitness. And I worked so hard for this thing. And then, you know, I ran the half marathon, crossed the finish line and it was over, you know, and it was done. And it was just so interesting how like fleeting that goal was. And don't get me wrong. It was a great goal. And I'm so glad that I did it. And I learned so much during the process as well as accomplishing it. But going back to what, you know, I started off with what my like wisdom, I guess, is, is that the prize is Christ. And, you know, there's this video of Tom Brady and I've seen it in youth groups and I've showed it to people all the time. And he's talking about um, how, you know, you work your whole life as a football player to reach this goal of winning the Super Bowl and then you do it and you're on the mountaintop. And then as, you know, the excitement and the celebration begins to fade away just in the next few days, you're kind of left at this place like now what? Like this was what my entire life was. This is what I was my hope was in. And I did it, and now it's over. And I think that just goes to show that the only thing in our life that we can constantly be moving toward and that will never let us down, that will never go away, is Jesus. And it says, um, Paul talks about this a lot. He uses running and race references a lot in his letters. So Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So this reminds me so much of running this half marathon where it says we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses. As I was you know, running this course, there was hundreds of people, if not thousands, supporting not only their friends and family, but anybody who ran by. And as a Christian or just as a person of this world, whether we see it or not, we are surrounded by people, our friends, our family, and even just people that, you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ that we may not even know. They are cheering us on and want to support us in our race towards the finish line. And let us strip off every weight that slows us down. This is so good. Like, obviously, you don't want to run with like a weighted vest on or weights in your hands. You want to be at your best. You want to be moving fast at a strong and powerful pace. And you 
you know, want to look before you and be sure that you're not tripping on any, you know, sticks or thrown water bottles. Like you, there's water stations during, you know, races like this and people, you know, take a drink of water and then throw the cup on the ground and you have to keep your eye out to make sure you don't trip up on one of those things. Um, and let us run with endurance, the race that God has set before us. And I truly believe that God has set before each and every one of us a race that involves effort and commitment. Like I really wanted to do making my New Year's resolution and being passive or being flighty or spacey doesn't run and win a race, but the Lord wants us to run and finish it right. And so we need endurance and we need training. And that looks like being active in our faith and being active with each other and in community and building one another up in the hard times and trials and in the good times and, you know, mountaintops of our faith, um, just constantly working on that endurance and not putting your hope in any other thing, but the Lord, especially when it comes to accomplishing a major task or, you know, anything like that. I think ultimately for me, it was just such a full circle moment of, you know, I finally achieved this goal that I have been striving towards for so long. But at the end of the day, this isn't the purpose of my life. This isn't my identity is running or fitness or doing half marathons or whatever. But my identity is a child of God. And that's always going to be the most important thing about me. And being one of Jesus's disciples and being specifically called by him and doing life with other believers and pursuing a relationship with God is always going to be the best and biggest accomplishment of my entire life, which is solely achieved by the Holy Spirit in me and by Christ in me. And that's going to outweigh any other accomplishment that I would ever attain in my lifetime. And, you know, the end goal is ultimately heaven. And that's what I'm always going to be working towards more than, you know, training for a race or, you know, even going to like school for a certain degree, this heaven is the ultimate achievement and accomplishment that is done so solely by Christ um, that outweighs any other thing that we can do, which hopefully gives you peace in knowing that without all of these other things, without any other thing that you've done, whether it's good or bad, it you know, it is finished. It's finished by Jesus and he is ultimately the prize. Keeping up with biblical (laughs) advice, I guess, um, a theme that the Lord was continuing to bring up um, throughout my sophomore year was this concept. And it started when I was reading 1 Samuel and it's 1 Samuel chapter 1, which is the story of Hannah. It might be chapter one and two, but I loved this story. I was reading it a lot, and then I actually ended up writing a paper on it for one of my theology classes, but there's a commentary on the website Enduring Word, which is a really great resource for just getting context and explanations verse by verse, so it's EnduringWord.com, and it's all by a man named David Guzik, I think is how you pronounce it, but one of his commentaries that really stuck out to me in reading for Samuel was this little sentence which says stay humble because the Lord changes your place quickly. So in the story of Hannah which again comes from 1 Samuel chapter 1, Hannah was a woman who was married to a man named Elkanah and then he also had a wife named Penina. So he had two wives, Hannah and Penina. 
But while Panina had many children, Hannah was unable to conceive. And also, Elkanah clearly loved Hannah more and favored her more than his other wife, which obviously made his other wife pretty jealous. So not only was Hannah depressed and despondent because she couldn't have children, but she was being bullied and taunted by this other woman, Panina, all of the days um, of her life and just was facing extreme anguish and resentment toward her situation. But as you read the chapter, you can observe how during this time, Hannah actively waited for the Lord and she fervently prayed in the temple. She worshiped him. She had confidence in the community of her husband and also the priest. And she had great trust in the Lord that he would hear her prayer. And that's something that I really admired about Hannah. And another theme that I felt like the Lord was teaching me when I went to the Elevation concert back in October, um, something that they preached there was the importance of actively waiting rather than being passive in your prayers to the Lord. And no prayer returns void. It might not return to us in the way we want it, or the Lord might have different plans or might change our desires so that we end up praying for something different, but he hears our every single word and he is so near to us and he is with us through every season, through every moment. So ultimately, um, Hannah and her husband wake up early to go worship to the Lord and after they come home, they, you know, do the thing And she soon finds out that she is pregnant, that she has conceived a child. So this just goes to show that the Lord brings low to lift up. He brings low and brings high. And so, again, we should keep humble because the Lord changes our place quickly. And humbling ourselves before the Lord looks like recognizing that he is sovereign. He is in control. He is good. And we trust him with the outcomes of our life. And there are so many times where, you know, I sit down um, in prayer and I'm like, you know what, God, like, I just have a really good idea. I really think that we should do this thing. Or, you know, Lord, I know that you're kind of leading me this way, but what if we went this way? Or sometimes I don't even go before the Lord and just think to myself, you know what, I know that God has a plan or whatever, but I think that my plans are going to be better. And that is not humility, that is arrogance. And so what I have to remind myself all the time is that if I look at who God is and who I am, I am so thankful that he is the one in charge of my life because I can never, ever do that on my own. I could never know the path that lies before me. I can never be confident that I'm making the right decisions. I can never be confident in my relationships or in, again, my self-image But I have the Lord to depend on for those things. And so we need to humble ourselves before him, especially when we're asking for things. And the Lord wants us to ask for things. Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. But that doesn't mean coming to the Lord with our own agenda and walking away. That means sitting through and processing with him. What do you have for me? How can I be obedient in this season? And so I definitely saw the you know reality of that the second semester of my sophomore year and I'm probably going to do a whole separate podcast on this especially in regards to decision making but at the beginning um, of the year in January I had a pretty clear picture of what this year was going to look like I had a job that I really loved and planned on continuing with that throughout the summer and throughout this next semester basically for the rest of the year of 2022 And I ended up, like, an opportunity of a different job was literally thrown into my lap by the Lord. It just 
came super suddenly and unexpectedly and I ended up interviewing for this different job and was offered it and had no idea what to do. I knew that this was so unique and so from the Lord, but I also didn't really want to do it. So I was having a really hard time deciding what to do, but I ended up kind of making a decision to do both jobs. And again, I'll I'll probably get into this another time. Um, So soon after that, I was reached out to by my boss at the current job I had at Bonham. And he had told me that him and his wife, who are some of my best friends, were moving um, because of a new job opportunity. So that just really shook my world, not only just because I was, you know, so sad that my best friends were leaving, but also I didn't really know what that meant for me and for my job and what I was supposed to be doing. And that situation ended up leading me to a few tough decisions of what did I want to do, how, what moves should I make, and I had to go through a really long process of ultimately making that decision, and I finally did um, towards the end of the year. But I think the most um, interesting or unusual thing that came about from that was I'd never really been in a situation before where my life was like dramatically changed or kind of put on a different trajectory so fast. You know, I had this whole kind of outline for what this year was going to look like. And then from one phone call, it was completely different and nothing I knew was the same. Now I'm studying abroad, like, (laughs) which is a whole other thing that again, I'll get into but I had just never faced something like that. And maybe you haven't, or maybe you have, maybe you have multiple times, but that was kind of a new thing for me, you know, besides my parents getting divorced was something that was so drastically life-changing. And that just really put into perspective of like, wow, the Lord knew this was coming. He has been setting this up for, you know, since the beginning of the world, but I could have never seen this coming. I could have never prepared for this. And there's going to be so many things in, that happened to us in our life that we didn't see coming that just come out of nowhere that changes our place quickly. And so that's why we need to be fully reverent and obedient to the Lord because while we can't see those things coming, he has, and he has been preparing us for those things for so long. And that kind of leads me into the story of David, which I know we were just talking about Hannah, but David, you might know from David and Goliath, he was a young kid who wanted to fight this giant that was terrorizing um, his army of people. And all, like his family, the rulers of the like city, I guess, and all the people around were like, no, you're too young, you can't do this. But he looked at them and he said, no, like the Lord has been preparing me through all these seasons of my life, through all the roles that I've had for this moment. Same with Esther. You see throughout the entire book of Esther how the Lord was working behind the scenes and setting things into place to prepare Esther for the one moment she had to save an entire group of people. And that happens in the Bible, but that happens in your life every single day. The Lord is constantly preparing you through different roles you have, different relationships you have, different things that you've gone through, hard things that you've gone through, heartbreaking things that you've gone through to prepare you for this moment and for all the future moments to come. So when we walk arrogantly and we say, I'm in control, I dictate my future, if I work hard, I can do this, you never know what's going to be thrown your way. You never know what you know loss you're going to endure or what thing changes or what thing falls through or what thing just comes and a new opportunity comes. You know, It doesn't always have to be negatively connotated. It can be a great thing that's kind of comes in out of nowhere. 
So that is why just like a heart of humility is so important. And I struggle with that every day because I'm a planner. I am a one on the Enneagram. You know, I like things in a certain way. I like routine. I like order. I like things that make sense. But that's not what life is. And I don't think that it takes, you know, anyone who's lived very long to realize that. You know what I mean? Especially as a teenager or somebody in your early 20s. So I guess I would just say expect the unexpected, but know that the Lord has your back and know that the Lord has prepared you for this and wants you to lean into him. And I think, you know, that's these moments where something new is coming your way or something that's unexpected is such a good time to intimately know the Lord because, you know, you can't put your trust in anything else because the reality hits that those things are always going to fail you. Those things are never going to be constant or secure, but he is. And that is as good of time as any to lean into him and say, how can I trust you more? How can I trust you with my life? How can I, you know, expect the unexpected, but expect good goodness and kindness and faithfulness from you, Lord. And so, you know, it definitely took me a long time to get to this point where I can positively reflect on that time because it was so stressful. I was losing so much sleep. I was so anxious and angry at my situation, but... I've kind of finally gotten to the place where I see the Lord's hand and all those things, and I've kind of made it to the other side. And, you know, next time this happens, I don't want to have to get to the other side to be thankful, but be thankful while I'm in the fire, while I'm in the unknown, while I'm in the valley, because I can trust that the Lord will deliver me to the other side. And I can stay humble because the Lord changes your place quickly, and, you know, that can be bringing you low quickly, but you know, that's followed by, you know, lifting you up quickly. So trust in him and um, just be thankful that we're not in control of our lives because we would never be able to foresee the things that life throws at us, you know. And so that's why we can be so thankful that the, that the Lord is ultimately the one in control. And um, I guess moving into just knowing um, the kindness and the goodness of the Lord, um, something that I learned from my friend Maddie my sophomore year. This was such a beautiful conversation I had with her in the car. And I was like explaining something that the Lord was teaching me. And a lot of times that I'm kind of describing um, my relationship with God or how he's been speaking to me in a season. Um, for example, I was telling some story of what I was learning and I was like, oh, yeah, like I, for example, I might have said like, oh, I come to the Lord with all my plans. And then he's like, shut up, Susie. Like, I have better plans for you. Um, and so I'm telling, like talking like that to my friend Maddie. And she kind of stopped me. And she just looked at me and she was like, Susie, I know that you're joking. Like, I know that you're saying the Lord said shut up or the Lord said sit down or the Lord said, girl, like, what are you doing? You're crazy to you. She's like, I know that you say that in a joking way. And I know that you um, don't necessarily mean that. But just remember the Lord is so kind and he is so gentle with you. And, you know, a lot of times we project our own voices onto the Lord, but that is not the way he speaks. He speaks with gentleness and kindness. He speaks with assertiveness, but he does not speak with aggression or with hostility or with name calling or he does not speak in the tone of your parents or your friends or somebody who has hurt you but he speaks in his soul and perfect and only voice. And I remember just the conviction of that moment and being like, oh my gosh, like 
I project my own voice and my own character onto the Lord all the time because that's fathomable. That's something I know very well. And so it helps me understand what the Lord might be saying to me. But he doesn't speak the same way that I speak. He speaks with kindness. He speaks with gentleness. And he, you know, leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my life. He is kind and lowly and gentle in heart. And he does not you know, speak to us with anger or ferocity. He speaks to us with boldness and again with assertiveness. But I just challenge you to think about that and how you reflect on your own relationship with the Lord and how he might be speaking to you. Just ask him, you know, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I don't want to hear anybody else. I don't want to hear any other projection in my mind of what I think of you to be or what I've been taught that you are. But I want you to teach me, Holy Spirit. I want you to help me discern your voice. And once I started to be more intentional about that, I just really realized of like, the Lord does not speak to me with condemnation. He does not speak to me with anger. He does not speak to me with name calling. He speaks to me like his loving child. And I feel like you see quotes all the time, especially like when it comes to like women and body image of like, if you, you know, talk like you would never talk to like a little girl the same way that you talk to yourself in the mirror. And I think that's so equivalent to the voice of God. He does not speak to us the same way that we speak to us. He speaks to us in the way that we would speak to a child, that we would speak to an innocent, beautiful child, because that's how he sees us because of Jesus, because of Jesus's death and resurrection, because Jesus took on the weight of our sins. He sees us in Christ's righteousness. And so he does not speak to us hatefully, but he speaks to us with kindness and goodness. And I know I keep repeating that, but repetition just emphasizes a point and what's important. And I think that if there's one thing that I want you to know from this episode or this podcast or just in your life, it is that the Lord speaks to you with kindness because he loves you. He loves you more than anybody or anything else. And he wants to have that intimate, kind relationship with you. And... Another thing that I've heard more recently, it's not necessarily something I learned from freshman year, but I saw something that says, like, Jesus is here, but he's hidden. And I think just because we don't see him in the flesh or see him, um, like, his, you know, body right before us, it's hard to remember that he is here. But he is here, and he's closer than your skin, and he's inside of you, and he comforts you and is beside you. Even when you don't even ask, you know, he's always with us. And so, um, yeah, I think I just want you to know that he, and Natty wants you to know, <laughs> love her, but that he speaks to you with goodness and um, he does not speak to you with the same tone that you speak to yourself, which challenges you to think, you know, if Jesus doesn't speak to me that way and he's the most important person in the universe, then why should I speak to myself that way? Um, and, oh my gosh, these are like such great segues, but that kind of leads me into another thing, which... Um, uh, my good friend Lily talked about in one of our Bible studies. And I'm sure y'all have heard of this thing before. It's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. And the way I've heard it in context is like, oh, if you go into a party, you know, thinking that you're going to have a terrible time, you're going to have a terrible time because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so Lily was explaining it. Um, she's probably explaining it better because it was um, information she had learned from her psychology class. But she was saying... Um, you know, if your partner tells you that you're a very thoughtful person, you mindlessly act like a more thoughtful person because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
and we were reading the book of Ephesians and she was saying, you know, if the Lord tells us that we are, let me pull up the verses in Ephesians. If he tells us that we've been redeemed, if he tells us that we are alive in him, if he tells us that we are holy and blameless in love before him, if he tells us that we are forgiven, if he tells us that we are sealed to him with the promised Holy Spirit, if he tells us that we are citizens with the saints and members of his household, um, Psalm 139, if he tells us that he has searched us and known us, if it tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, think of how your life would change if you believe that. If you fill your mind with the things that God says you are, you're going to start to believe it and you're going to live your life differently because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And the thing that's different about what Jesus says about us versus what anybody else says about us is that it is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Everything that he says is true. And we can trust that. That's in his word. That is who he is. That's his identity is truth. And so if we are filling our minds with the things that he says about us that are true, that is a game changer. That leads us to live our life completely differently. And that was just such beautiful wisdom by her. And that was something that really carried me through this year when times were hard. I could trust that, you know what, he, I am who he says that I am. And that's enough for me. Okay, yeah. So I was going to try to do like both, you know, deeper stuff and more heartfelt stuff. But that just kind of went down depth avenue. Um, <laughs> so let me try to rein it in um, as I kind of end this out. Um, Some other things that I learned are join a book club. Um, (laughs) Me and some of my, well, my friend Olivia and Morgan, they um, got together a book club for a lot of my friends and it was so much fun. It was so much fun reading and just taking the time, you know, even just 10, 15 minutes out of the day to sit on my bed and read a book for a little bit. It was so refreshing, so good. And then we would get together on like a Monday night and just sit and chat maybe for like about the book for like 15 minutes but then we would just talk forever and then you know we were able we read this one book called such a fun age i definitely recommend it but that led us in having such like beautiful and powerful conversations about um tough topics and it was so great to be able to have you know facilitated conversation like that with my really good friends and also people i didn't know as well it's a great way to get to know people so join a book club is definitely a big piece of advice another thing is staying in on a friday night can actually be a lot of fun you know just getting dinner with your friends and then you know maybe hanging out for a little bit and then going up to your room at 8 p.m reading your book club book and going to bed Um, I was a little bit hard on myself for doing that sometimes, but I really needed that a lot. You know, college is hard. It's busy. I was under a lot of stress and it was really nice to be able to like spend time um, just like getting a good night's sleep and cleaning my room and just catching up on things I needed to do on a Friday night. I was a Friday night laundry queen. Obviously, I didn't do that every weekend, but I tried to not be hard on myself when I did feel like I needed a night to catch up on life and that's totally okay and you don't have to feel the FOMO of going out um especially if you you know feel like it would be more beneficial for your mental health and for just your um life to kind of take a night in and I think the last thing that I'll say is that it's never late to never too late to make new friends and I was so so blessed by the Lord 
um, especially second semester in so many new relationships that I was able to make. And um, I will say I um, wanted to, you know, kind of make closer friends with some girls that I knew and I really wanted to hang out with them, obviously, but I wasn't, you know, sure on how to do that. So I made an Evite and I sent it out to everyone and <laughs> um, to like hang out on like a Friday night and they already had plans to hang out. So then I got invited to it. So that was super clutch on my part, pat on the back for making that Evite. But then I was able to kind of build on those relationships second semester and um, just friends that love the Lord and that call me higher and that, you know, are willing to have um, fruitful and productive conversations with me and then also like chaotic and weird conversations with me, kind of like this podcast. Um, it's just such a blessing. And I think that it's scary to make new friends or to kind of venture out of a group that you're comfortable with, but you don't have to be confined to that and like you can still maintain friendships you have and make new ones you just have to be intentional and that can be hard at first but I feel like once you get into a rhythm and you um you know get comfortable asking people to get coffee or to um go to a movie or something like that it's just all about intentionality and making a fun plan that people want to go to I guess (laughs) but it's never too late to make new friends and so um I encourage you to like get out of your bubble or you know somebody that you've really liked in one of your classes, like ask them to hang out, especially in college. It's so easy to just like get coffee or lunch or something like that, or even go on a walk, going on walks. I feel like, um, I was more intentional about doing, um, when the sun finally came out in the spring, but yeah, I mean, as you know, I think most of y'all listening are, you know, younger women and, there's so much to learn. There's so many people to meet. Don't confine yourself to one type of person or one group of people. Um, but challenge yourself to meet new people and do new things because you won't regret it. So yeah, sorry some of that was a little bit long-winded, but the Lord is just always teaching me things. And that's why I started this podcast was so that I could kind of verbally process those things. So Thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope that you got something out of this. And if you have any requests or topics that you'd like me to talk about in season two, um, I feel like most of you listening to this know me. So just like text me. (laughs) But thank you all so much for listening. And you'll hear me next time. (laughs) Bye, guys.